Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What you know, Virgil's going on over there in Nebraska land? Not, not much, man. It's it's kind of you know weather's kind of kind of nice right now. It's a little, little cool of the of the uh, of the rain happening, and uh, we're enjoying it, man. It's it's uh, late in the summer, you know, um, for us. And August will be here to be extra hot soon. But man, I'm enjoying it, and uh, man, so looking forward. Uh, to getting back, you know, in the saddle, so to speak, and chopping it up with you and walking through the, you know, the next uh, next episode of Just Thinking. So it's all good. Yeah, I know. I, I, it feels like anyway. I say this with every episode that we do, mm-hmm. and this is probably going to be another topic that's going to get us in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But I, it's like I say that every week, right? Right. I think maybe I should just record a disclaimer. <laughs> And just right. have Dwayne the, the drop it disclaimer. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pre-recorded yeah. disclaimer. Yeah. Just have Dwayne Atkinson, the hardest working man in podcast land, just drop right. that disclaimer in there right. in front of every episode so everyone will be aware that this is probably going to be another topic that's going to catch us some flat. You could you could do one of those one of those disclaimers where it, it it's a long one. Like, you know, if you said it real slow, it'd be, you know, a minute and a half. But we speed it up real fast that it goes, you know, in about 20 seconds, you know, like yeah. that. So people can yeah. it already know, insert it, it's there, you said it, we move yeah. on. Like one of those uh, radio commercials you hear where they're reading all that legal jargon really fast. Right, 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 uh, right. Or, right. Or, or, or like what's the Publishers Clearing House, you know, contest. They read the right. legal jargon really fast. So <laughs> right. yeah, we, we might need to do that, man. But see, right. we, I just want our listeners to know, okay, you and I don't go looking for trouble. No, no. Trouble, trouble finds us. Trouble finds us. We don't go looking for trouble. Nope, nope. But I think I what's happening. Don't. I think what's happening, Omaha. And this is, this is, this is what we do on the Just Thinking podcast. We tackle topics that no one else wants to touch. Right. That's what we do. We don't That's do that do. by design. Right, right. They just fall to us. You got to do it. Just fall to us. And these are, you know, many, many times they're very sensitive topics. And I say there's this sensitive topics in the sense that these are topics where people have, for whatever reason, inserted themselves into the issue. Right. They've inserted right. themselves into the issue. And as a result, they've developed a vested interest in that issue. So that when we address the issue on the Just Thinking podcast, we may say something that touches a nerve within them. It's mm-hmm. not that we were wrong. Right. They just disagree because they've inserted themselves in the issue. They've taken a position. They're dogmatic about that position. And they really don't care in, 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 a, in a lot of instances what the scripture says about it, exactly which, is, which right. is what we do. We go to what the scripture says about it. Right. Um, and then they get offended as a result yeah. of us not coming down on the same side of that issue as they do. Right. So when I say a topic is going to cause us to get into a lot of trouble, that's what I mean by that. We, right. It's not that we've, you or I have done anything that's outside of a biblical boundary or something like that. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. that we've, we've got certain listeners out there who listen to us for the sole purpose of finding some reason to argue about it. Right, right. 
we're not wrong. They just don't dis- they don't they just don't agree. Right. And I think That's this is going to be one of those topics. Is, yet again, here we go. Another one of these topics right. where somebody's going to insert their own little nuanced perspective on it. And they'll probably send us some email or drop some negative comments on iTunes or somewhere like that. So, <laughs> so that's my disclaimer. We expect that. We gotcha. expect that. But, gotcha. uh, but, but thank God we don't do these podcast episodes for the sake of people agreeing with us. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If if if, if that were a motive of ours, we yeah we stopped a while we, back. We stopped a long time ago. Episode two or three, in fact, we probably would have just said, you know what? It's probably it's probably time to shut this whole thing down. Hey, it's been nice, Daryl. It's been a good look, bro. Hope to meet you one day. You know, and we'd have called it. <laughs> I mean, because we like we had like an intro. Hey, we're here. We, here's what we're gonna do. Blah, blah blah. Episode two. Hey, we're we're still here. We're gonna do some stuff. And then by episode three, we 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 dove in, man. That was it. Hey, we, we did, man. We've been yeah. diving in ever since. Right. So uh, so anyway, bro. Uh, you know the subject we're dealing with in this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast is it's one that I've really been looking forward to. Right. And I say that. I mean, I look forward to every week, but I say yeah. that this time, particularly in light of the episode we released last week oh, on a nuanced gospel. And, um, you know, I say that because the topic we're di- discussing in today's episode is oozing with nuance, yeah. oozing with nuance and not in a good way. No, okay? man, this, this was this was crazy when you sent it to me. Bro, when you sent this to me, sent the article, walked through the article, and then you know, hey, I've got some, got some ideas. Show note wise, here's where I want to go. Da, da, da. I, I, I literally had to walk away from the article, bro. I mean, this, this is, this is one of those. You, you want to talk about triggered? I, I could not believe the crazy chaos yep. that was, that was, that was laid out there to sound erudite and scholarly. Yeah. It was just like I think you said it perfectly. This this is oozing with nuance, and yep. I think those who embrace the gospel of nuance, uh, this is this this article is a warm blanket at night for them. Oh, brilliant, and, bro! Uh, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. This is brilliant. this is yep. a warm blanket at night. Yep. They they go they go to bed feeling better about themselves and about others and about the world around them because they 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 wrap themselves in a blanket of nuance. And so this is this is definitely that. Yeah, before we dive into this full throttle here, I do want to uh, maybe put somewhat of a uh, parental advisory out uh, for the sake of uh, those who may be listening and you've got young children around. Uh, there may be some language in this episode that may be too sensitive for young young people to hear due to the subject matter that we're dealing with. So if you've got young people around right now, you may want to hit the pause button and then come back and uh, pick it up at, at another time when uh, when young young ears are not within ir- immediate range of the uh, of the of the episode that you're listening to. Mm. Uh, and again, that's just for the sake of the subject matter that we're uh, that we're dealing with here today. So we, I wanted to mention that mm-hmm. uh, just as an aside. And second, secondly, before we dive into the topic today, uh, given the subject matter of what we're going to be talking about in this episode, it may be a good idea, listeners. If you've not yet listened to our episode titled A Nuanced Gospel, mm, that's good. Listen to that one first, then come back and listen to this one. Listen to that one first, because mm-hmm. listening to that one will help firm up the context 
for what you're going to hear in this episode. Right. Okay. All right. So that said, the topic we're dealing with today has to do with a recent New York Times article that was written by John Elegon, L-E-L-I-G-O-N, E-L-I-G-O-N, John Elegon. The article is entitled, When Black Lives Matter is Invoked in the Abortion Debate. Okay, New York Mm -hmm. Times article, When Black Lives Matter is Invoked in the Abortion Debate. Now, our intention here is not to critique the article line by line. All right. However, we do want to cite enough of the article so that you, our listeners, can gain an appreciation for the concerns you and I, Omaha, have about this article in the first place. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, the article was published on July 6, 2019. Okay. So just a uh, couple of weeks ago. And the article features an interview with three individuals, each of whom is black. Okay. There's the Reverend Clint Stansel, S-T-A-N-C-I-L, Clint Stansel. Reverend Stansel is pastor of Wayman AME Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Second person featured is Ms. Kawana Shannon. In the article, Ms. Shannon is uh, described as director of surgical services at the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis, Missouri. And then there's Reverend Michael Jones. Uh, Reverend Jones is pastor of Friendly Temple, Friendly Temple Missionary Baptist Church in St. Louis. Now, if the title of the article itself, again, the title is When Black Lives Matter is Invoked in the Abortion Debate. If the title of that article itself didn't grab your attention, then perhaps the very first paragraph of the article will. Because when you read the very first paragraph, it becomes quite evident as to the ideological direction in which that article is intended to take those who read it. Okay, so let me quote the first paragraph of the article. Again, this is from the article when Black Lives Matter is invoked in the in the abortion debate. Quote, this is the very first paragraph, quote, as a pastor, Clinton Stansel counsels his black congregants, that abortion is akin to taking the taking of innocent life. Let me repeat that. As a pastor, Clinton Stansel counsels his black congregants that abortion is akin to the taking of innocent life. But as a civil rights activist, Mr. Stansel urges them to understand the social forces that prompt black women to have abortions at disproportionately high rates, unquote. Okay? Now, just for the sake of clarity, I want to repeat that first paragraph. It's very brief, so I'm going to repeat it. As a pastor, Clinton Stansel counsels his black congregants that abortion is akin to the taking of innocent life. But as a civil rights activist, Mr. Stansel urges them to understand the social forces that prompt black women to have abortions at disproportionately high rates. Now, Omaha, you and I know that listeners to the Just Thinking podcast are some of the most biblically astute people you'll ever come across anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if they were listening closely to the paragraph I just read, and I'm sure they were, then their minds were undoubtedly registering all kinds of issues with the paragraph I just read. And again, that was only the first paragraph. Mm -hmm. What you got on that, Omaha? Bro, this this is 
This is as I read this, this was the first part of what caused me to stand up and walk away from the laptop. Um, the fact that that someone with the title reverend would would dichotomize himself uh, to issue to 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 address people from a standpoint of civil rights. I, I have no I, I, I don't even know the meaning of that. I have no mm-hmm. idea what that what that even what that even means, how he's going to talk to black congregants with one hat uh, as a and, and again, the manner in which he did as a pastor is problematic. I mean, we, we can we can address that. But but then on the civil rights side of it, I'm like, what what is he what is he talking about? So anyway, this is unreal on so many levels. And I, and I know we're going to run into a number of points that that are raised in the first paragraph and in, and in uh, the rest of the article. So I won't I won't take too much time and belabor uh, the point here, but within the first paragraph, we find things that are so so numerous and and ridiculous. At first glance, the article reminds me of of, the, of again the previous podcast that we do. We talked about it earlier at the top. The gospel of nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this reverend has nuanced the position to such a level where scripture has placed a period. This reverend seems to be placing a comma and then yep. wants to continue to move the bar. So yep. we talked about this in the past. Yep. So again, as you just alluded to. Uh, Virgil, I really encourage our listeners to go out and listen to the episode, A Nuanced Gospel, uh, before listening to this one. Matter of fact, you can put this one on pause, go listen to that one, mm-hmm. and then come back to this one. I promise you, it will give you a broader context of what we're talking about here in this episode today on how Black Lives Matter, matter is invoked into the abortion debate. Now, the first thing that jumped out at me, Omaha, in reading the article is that the New York Times chose, and I recognize that this is their prerogative, okay? I get that. But the New York Times chose to interview three ideological and theological black progressives, mm-hmm. okay, black liberals on this issue, in, apparent, in an apparent and deliberate effort to push the narrative that the high abortion rate among black women is a matter of socioeconomic factors and influences. Right. Now, it is that same narrative, that very same narrative that has been propagated for the last 80 years, eight zero years, going all the way back to the implementation of Margaret Sanger's Negro Project in 1939, which mm-hmm. ironically was also facilitated with the willing help of black mm-hmm. pastors, mm-hmm. right, whom Sanger strategically engaged for the sole purpose of propagating that narrative to poor black families, especially in the South. Mm -hmm. Now, with that point in mind, I want to point our listeners to something Margaret Sanger wrote in a December 1939 letter to a Dr. Clarence James, who went by CJ, Dr. Clarence James Gamble. Gamble at that time was president of what was called the Pathfinder Fund. And the Pathfinder Fund was an entity that provided financial backing and support to pro-abortion organization like Sanger's. Wow. Now, not unlike Sanger, Dr. C.J. Gamble was a eugenicist as well. He was also a eugenicist, just like wow. Sanger, and was an ardent supporter of abortion. Uh, by the way, an interesting nugget about Dr. Gamble is that he was the grandson of James Gamble, co-founder of the Procter and Gamble Corporation Mm. and was heir to the Gamble family fortune. Right. But back to the letter in the letter to Dr. Gamble, Margaret Sanger wrote, and I quote, there is only one thing that I would like to be in touch with you about. And that is the Negro project of the South, which 
if the execution of the details remain in Miss Rose's hands, my suggestions will not be confusing because she knows the way my mind works. Miss Rose sent me a copy of your letter of December 5th, and I note that you doubt it worthwhile to employ a full-time Negro physician. It seems to me from my experience where I have been in North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas, that while the colored Negroes have great respect for white doctors, they can get closer to their own members and more or less lay their cards on the table, which means their ignorance, superstitions, and doubts. Mm. They do not do this with the white people. And if we can train the Negro doctor at the clinic, he can go among them with enthusiasm and with knowledge, which I believe will have far-reaching results among the colored people. His work, in my opinion, should be entirely with the Negro profession and the nurses, hospital, social workers, as well as the county's white doctors. His success will depend upon his personality and his training by us. The black minister's work is also important, and also he should be trained, perhaps, Federation as to our ideals and the goal that we hope to reach. Sanger closes out this portion of her letter as follows. We do not want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population and the minister, that is the black minister, is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members, unquote. Wow. That was eugenicist Margaret Sanger in a letter dated December 10th, 1939 to Dr. Clarence James Gamble. So again, the narrative being advanced by these three individuals who are featured in this New York Times article, that high abortion rates among black women is a consequence of quote unquote social forces is not new. In fact, this narrative has been around for a very, very long time for decades even. But my question Omaha is this. Okay. If so-called social forces are the material cause of high abortion rates among black women, why aren't those same social forces the cause of those black women becoming pregnant in the first place. <laughs> I mean, if you're too poor to have the baby, then why aren't you too poor to have the sexual intercourse that resulted in the baby? Right. Right. What you got, bro? First of all, I have to go back to what, what uh, the quote that you gave in the letter to Dr. Gamble by Margaret Sanger. Um, the, the thing that's most problematic in the letter is not the use of the words like Negro or colored uh, or black, uh, which in, in our current modern day context, if we had heard someone use those words and terminology, we'd cringe. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, that, that would be this. That would be the aspect of the sensitivity uh, that, that's there. But but the diabolical, wicked evil mm -hmm. that surrounds the plan and the manner in which it's laid out should be that which causes us the greatest amount of concern. Mm -hmm. So I, I've got to, I've got to start out by saying that. And 
then the idea of social forces and and in this case uh, you know to begin with most of most of most to advocate the quote unquote social forces idea uh speak specifically to poverty yeah uh, and and yeah when i begin to think about the issue of poverty i'm thinking what's the what's the economic threshold required for someone to understand to your argument that unprotected sex results in a child yes like how much money do you have to make uh, or or needs to come in in order for you to go, you know what, if I have unprotected sex, then the results of that could be that that I have a child. It, it's, right. as if, it's as if the intelligence, the bar of intelligence rather, continues to move as each issue is raised. First, the issue is race. You know, right. it's, as if black, it's as if black people are too stupid to know that sex results in a baby. Right. The, 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 next, the next issue is economics, as if black people are too slow and too poor to know that sex results in a baby. And, and then people have been having babies since the beginning of time. So knowledge of this truth doesn't require a specific dollar amount or, or the lack of melanin in one's particular skin. So, so social forces, I mean, what, what in the world are we actually talking about? Again, it's an appeal here to nuance. Yep. And the difference, the, the difference is that those leveraging the nuance cloud it in colorful language to sound erudite and scholarly. Yep. I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous. I'll, I'll say this and, and turn it back over to you. These, 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 these are appeals to facts that these men and women uh, think that the, the, what they're arguing, what advocates of this position are arguing, are they're arguing that black people are far too stupid and far too slow and they lack such control over themselves that we have to blame, quote unquote, social forces for the problem rather than pointing the finger at the person who's committed the wow. act of sin. Wow. Wow. That was a Hammond B3 moment right there. Bro. <laughs> and that's, that's, I think what you just said is the first remark that we've made in this episode that's probably going to get us in trouble. Mm. So just be on the lookout for that, Omaha. Mm-hmm. But I think you brought up a great point. See, but see, that's what nuance does. Nuance moves the bar of intelligence downward. Yes, yes, yes. Every, shall we say, slither of nuance, every Mm -hmm. iota of nuance that's thrown at an issue, whether it's this issue on abortion or any other issue, it, Mm -hmm. it moves that bar of intelligence down it narrows that window of context it makes it more and more narrow right that's what it does by default it they're, moves. They're, you, go ahead go ahead i, I was i was just gonna say they they use they those the, the the men you mentioned at the top the, the three folks that you mentioned at the top of the article uh clint stancil kawana shannon michael jones again throughout this article they're going to use language not to be more clear about that which is wrong and sinful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but to be even more unclear, which when we talked mm-hmm. about nuance, uh, the, the word comes from nube. It means to cloud, right? Mm-hmm, it it mm-hmm. really means clouded or unclear. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nuancing the issues so that the person who's, who's at primary fault, the person who's at the, at the root cause of the issue, the person laying down to have sex, is able to obfuscate their issue altogether and point the blame elsewhere. I mean, we're going to, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to unpack this to a greater degree, but this, I was so exercised at the line of argumentation that, that follows this article. 
yeah. because it continues to it continues to point to the fact that these people think black folk are stupid. Right. They really you have to think black they, people are incredibly dumb to believe what they're saying. Yeah, not only that, not only do they, you know, again, I agree with you because that's the thing that got my righteous indignation up as well. Just the argumentation that they're trying to use in this article. And we're about to move forward into this piece. So listeners, please hang hang in there with us. But not only Omaha does this does the argument that they're presenting make b- black people look incredibly stupid. It makes all of us look like victims. Yes, that's good. All of us are victims mm-hmm. by virtue of our ethnicity. Right. Alone. By virtue of your ethnicity, you're a victim of these social forces. So so in other words, they're really defeating their own argument. It's not necessarily the social forces that put these black women in, in these positions where they feel they have to get an abortion. What what triggers the social forces is your ethnicity. You're you're a victim of these social forces by virtue, not of the social forces, but by virtue of your ethnicity. Because their argument is that these social forces only affect black women. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Man, I'm about to get on a roll here. Let me let me keep moving here for a second. <laughs> so they so they so so they go so they go to the they go to the they go to the the uh the doctor and they're they're taking uh, a pregnancy test, right? Mm-hmm. And the you know the doctor says, well, you know, do you know the father? No, no, no. There's no father. These this is social forces. It's there wasn't a man involved. There were these social forces that were involved that mm-hmm. got me pregnant. That's mm-hmm. why that mm-hmm. uh, that's why that that pregnancy test is positive. The right. social forces out there are really really powerful. Right. That's the absurdity of the argument that they're presenting. I know we're being a little we're, we're being a little bit facetious here, but it's the provable point. And we're going to have the article linked in the episode notes. So when, you, when you're listening to this, when the episode comes out, when this episode comes out, it'll be July 24th. When this episode is released, there will be a link to the New York Times article in the episode notes. You guys hang in there. But moving beyond the first paragraph of the article, and that was just the first paragraph, folks. <laughs> But moving beyond the first paragraph, the article continues, and I'm quoting here, the national debate over abortion has focused of late on when a heartbeat is discernible in the fetus, Mm -hmm. on the rights of women to make choices over their own bodies, and on the vast schism between the opposing views on ending pregnancies. But to many African-Americans like Mr. Stansel, who is the pastor of Wayman AME Church in St. Louis, Abortion cannot be debated. Here's comes, here comes the nuance, folks. Abortion cannot be debated without considering the quality of urban schools or the disproportionately high unemployment rate in black communities or the significant racial disparities in health care. As much as I believe with all my heart about the killing, the taking of innocent lives, I also believe that I will never support giving white legislators who have no interest in our community, the ability to tell our women what they can do with their bodies, Mr. Stansel said, of sweeping abortion restrictions recently approved in Missouri. Wow. Now, before I continue, I just want to repeat that last comment from the Reverend Stansel. Mm-hmm. Stansel said this, quote, as much as I believe with all my heart about the killing the taking of innocent lives, I also believe that I will never support giving white legislators, legislators who have no interest in our community the ability to tell our women 
what they can do with their bodies, unquote. Okay, so let me say this right off the bat. Reverend Stancil, and I put the word reverend in air quotes. Reverend Stancil is a racist for what he said about white legislators and needs to repent of his sinful ethnic partiality. He's a racist, and he needs to repent of that. Secondly, does Mr. Stancil believe that only black legislators have the, quote, ability to tell our women what they can do with their bodies, unquote? Hmm. Is that something that's limited and exclusive to only black legislators? And by the way, don't miss that Stancil referred to these black women who are having these abortions as our women, quote unquote. That kind of language, that our women, reeks of the kind of ethnic tribalism that is so prevalent among black Americans to begin with. And yet here this man is who goes by the title of reverend, implying that white legislators, because they're white, have no say in protecting unborn black children? I mean, Stancil's not a reverend. He's a racist. Thoughts on that, Omaha? I found found those comments interesting. In fact, I think this is the point. The first paragraph kind of shocked me. I think when I got here, I I literally walked away from the laptop as I was reading this. And and, and I I couldn't. The the doublespeak is so powerful. On, on the one hand, he believes this to be the killing of a human life. On the other hand, no one has the right to protect it because the person desiring to protect that life is white. Yep. That makes absolutely no sense. The other thing I found interesting was, the, like you, the language that he used when he said our women uh, to, to denote some sense of belonging to a group. Right. But he, he never uses the language our women to denote the kind of responsibility that men should have for someone oh, who bruh, their bruh, woman. Bruh. Right. Cue up the mascot. Omaha, I'm going to ask you to repeat that, bro, while we get the mascot warmed up. <laughs> it's Cue just the mascot away. Repeat that, Omaha. He, he uses the language our women to denote a sense of belonging to a group. But he never uses the language our women to denote the kind of responsibility that men should have for someone who they truly call their woman. Our women are left by 72% of men who leave these women as single mothers to raise babies on their own. Yet Stancil does not seem to address that. Our Go ahead, go ahead. See, we don't deal with facts on the on the Just Thinking podcast. <laughs> So you're dealing with facts right, right. now, and right. we don't do we don't do that on the Just Thinking podcast, bro. We we deal with conjecture. We don't deal with facts. Right, right, right. So, but since you brought some facts, go right. ahead and run about it. Go ahead, run about that, that was so that was so nice. I need you to say that twice. Twice. <laughs> our our women are left by seventy two percent of the men who leave them as single mothers to raise babies on their own. Mm-hmm. Yet Reverend Stancil can't seem to address that. Mm-hmm. Our women are suffering from the burden of raising the vast majority of these, of these kids in poverty. Yet where's Reverend Stancil on that? Our women are left by 70, 72% of men who leave them as single mothers left to raise babies on their own. Yet Reverend Stancil can't seem to address that. Mm-hmm. Our women are suffering from the burden of raising the vast majority of those kids that are born in poverty. And where's Reverend Stancil on that? 
our women suffer the scars of depression from the murder of their own babies in the womb. And again, Reverend Stancil is silent on this particular issue. However, the argument Reverend Stancil raises is one that winks at sin as he parrots the morally evil arguments of the culture, which are my body, my choice. And, and the fact that he uses racism and division to silence white legislators advocating for black lives takes this wickedness to an even greater level of moral depravity. Darrell, you, you said it correctly. Th- these actions are not the actions of a reverend. These are the actions of a racist. And I would only add the vilest kind of racist clouded in religious vestments. Mm-hmm. Well said, brother. I mean, that was powerful. That was well said. And but but see, that's what nuance does. Nuance sort of skirts around and obfuscates and navigates around. It's a selective, it's a selective truth. It's not objective mm-hmm. truth at all. Uh, you know, and 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 the, the the thing the thing that gets me is this. You know, what difference? What difference is a legislator's ethnicity right. to an unborn child whose brains are being sucked out at a Planned Parenthood clinic for profit? Right, right. What difference to an unborn child is a legislator's ethnicity who wants to save the child's life? You see, this is the kind of tribalist idiocy that embracing the quote-unquote gospel of social justice begets. Mm. And that's what Stancil is. Stancil's not a reverend. He's not a, a, a preacher of the gospel. He's a social justician. That's mm-hmm. who Reverend Stancil is. I mean, everything, even the most fundamental of orthodox biblical principles in this case that life begins at conception and that every life that is conceived is conceived bearing the image of God at the moment of conception. Mm-hmm. Everything with guys like Stancil is filtered through the nuanced lens of ethnicity and what's important, most important to my ethnic tribe. That's how Stancil thinks. Right. What's important, most most important to my ethnic tribe. What mm. matters to people who look like me? That's what's most important to Stancil. Wow. Underneath that, subordinate to that, is the fact that every conception is created in the image of image God. Of That's God. secondary to Stancil. Right, right, right. Now, having cited the right Reverend Stancil's comments, there's another question I would pose to him, and that question is this. What in the world does the quality of urban schools or the disproportionately high unemployment rate in black communities, or the significant racial disparities in healthcare, as he as he stated, what does any of that have to do with forcibly inserting a pair of forceps into the brain of an unborn child so that he or she dies an excruciatingly painful death because of quote unquote social forces? Wow, wow. What does any of that have to do? with what that unborn child experiences in a Planned Parenthood clinic. Mm. How in the world is any of that germane to the fundamental issue of murdering an unborn child in the womb? Mm -hmm. Reverend Stancil? After all, we're talking about children who would never have an opportunity to go to school, Mr. Stancil, if Mm -hmm. you're so concerned about education. Mm-hmm. Those children would never have an opportunity to go to school or mm-hmm. apply for the job, the career of their dreams, or to have children themselves. Mm-hmm. What kind of woke thinking is this mm-hmm. from someone who's supposed to be a quote unquote reverend? Wow. Wow. Anything you want to add, Omaha? Yeah, I'm I'm just convinced that those who promote woke thinking 
possess an inherent hatred of the very people they claim to be helping. Man, what you talking about? Yeah, how how old Preach can the you truth, ex- Omaha. Preach yeah, the truth, how, man. How how else can you explain Stancil, who as a reverend should know the ravages of sin on the human condition? I mean, here's a guy, rather than addressing the sin of murder, pulls a Genesis three. Did God really say? Right yep. as yep. as he as he moves the bar away from sin and pointing the other issues as the culprit. This is absolutely ludicrous. At the at the end of the day, Stancil knows more than most, or at least he should, that these women will give an account to God for the murder of their child. And no, on they that, won't. No, they and, won't. Right, no, they right, won't. right. You know, because God, God's, God's going to understand about these social forces. Right, right. God's going God's to understand. He's going to understand. That's the argument God, I make God, on that. God, on that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, God, God is a God of nuance Right. to people right. like Stancil. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The God they serve is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, on, on that day, they will not be able to say it was poor schools, unemployment, racial disparities in health care that caused them to murder their child. God will the God of the Bible will not find these excuses particularly satisfying to the wrath that will be due on that day for their actions against the child. Mm-hmm. And, and of all people, Stancil should know this. Furthermore, I had to add that Stancil himself must repent. If he is indeed saved as as one who operates in the office of a teacher, his judgment will be even more strict. But if, as I suspect, he's not saved, he too will be complicit in the murder of all the babies whose mothers listened to his advice and followed through with murder. Now, I I started my comments by saying that those who promote woke thinking possess an inherent hatred of the very people they claim to be helping. And that is exactly what I mean, because apart from repentance of the sin of murder and abortion and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, these women will find themselves rightly deserving the wrath of God and Stancil himself will not go unpunished. Man, that's some preaching right there, Omaha. That is, I, that's that's the truth. That's the truth. Thanks, thanks, thanks for bringing that truth to the table. Mm-hmm. No pun intended mm-hmm. to our truth table listeners. But <laughs> see, that's see. Listen, and I'm not plugging the podcast. We don't do that here. But that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. This is why we tackle topics nobody else wants to touch. Because we talk truth. We talk biblical truth on this podcast, regardless of who wants to hear it. Mm. See what you just laid out, Omaha, was some tough truth. Yeah, it is. That was some tough biblical truth, mm-hmm. and folks are going to get offended simply because we dared to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. Here's more from this article. Th- th- this article is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Here's more from the article. Quote: In many black communities, the abortion debate is inextricably tied to race in many ways that white communities seldom confront mm. social and economic disparities that are particularly challenging to African-Americans from mass incarceration to maternal and infant mortality are crucial parts of that discussion. The best way, listen to this listeners, listen to this. This is from the article I'm quoting the best way to reduce abortions many black people both for and against the practice argue is to address the difficult circumstances that lead so many black women to end their pregnancies, unquote. 
the difficult circumstances that lead so many black women to end their pregnancies. Mm. But aren't those same quote unquote difficult circumstances that existed before they got pregnant? Or did those difficult circumstances just magically appear after they realized they were pregnant? Mm. I'm thinking if the abortion was brought on by difficult circumstances. Right, right. Those circumstances existed before, before. they got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't just magically appear after they realized they were pregnant. No. So according to folks like Stansel, the solution to abortion is not to abstain from sexual intercourse, which is the only certain way to not become pregnant. Right. Or as you said earlier, Omaha, to abstain from unprotected sexual intercourse. Right. So that's not the solution. But the solution instead is to, quote, address the difficult circumstances that lead so many black women to end their pregnancies. So Stansel is saying that the debate about abortion with respect to black women is tied to race in ways that white communities seldom confront. Hmm. But see, what I want to ask is, how are white people obligated to concern themselves with the, quote, social and economic disparities that are challenging to African-Americans, unquote, when those economic disparities had no bearing whatsoever on the volitional decision of these women to engage in sexual intercourse at the risk of becoming pregnant? Now you preaching. Now you preaching. How are white people responsible for that? Mm -hmm. Seriously, Mm -hmm. how are white people obligated to concern themselves with the social and economic disparities that Stancil says is is a a material contributor to these abortions? Right. When those disparities had no bearing whatsoever on the volitional decision of these women to engage in sexual intercourse and take on the risk of becoming pregnant. How in the world are white people responsible for that? Yeah. It's interesting too, though, when, when they respond, the response is, is, is given kind of, you know, kind of the hand that you, you, you get, you know, they, they've been pushed back because again, Stancil reiterated to white, white legislators can't do anything to protect these unborn lives. Right. Yet they're to respond in some economic way. So this is, this isn't really, this is so convoluted. This is so backwards. It's so ridiculous on so many levels, because on the one hand, they they're they should respond from an economic standpoint and and, and be concerned about the socioeconomic disparities and that kind of thing. However, when it comes to where the rubber meets the road with the baby and making sure that the baby lives. No, 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 no. We we don't we don't want you doing that. Why? Because you're white. This is uh, this is so ridiculous. So on the one hand. Don't interject your opinion on this if you're white. Right. But on the other hand, they're blaming white people for seldom confronting these the, these social forces mm-hmm. that play black communities. Right. I mean, white people can't win. No. That's I not mean, if how you, it's designed. If, if you're white, you cannot win. Well, you know, they were supposed to repent of their whiteness a while back, so... They're yeah. not going to win. There's there's no winning in that. I mean, yeah. if if you if if you live in the world of social justice, there's no way for if you yeah. white, you ain't winning. You, you can't win. 
You can't win. I've, I've said that. I've said that many, many times. You cannot yeah. satiate the woke. No. Don't even try. If you're listening to this in white, stop trying. There's, if you there's want, no. There's no grace in wokeness. There's no grace. No grace. No grace. What? No mercy. No grace whatsoever. Listen. If you're white and you're listening to this, and we've got listeners all around the world, right? Right. If you're white and listening to this, if you were contemplating, uh repenting of 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 white guilt or or your whiteness or or uh, if you just had i any idea you're just repenting in a vacuum or whatever mm-hmm. stop don't right. even try it don't even waste your time because it will do you no good no it will do you no good i want to point out though because something that's really irking me about this is reverend stancil's racism mm-hmm. reverend stancil you are a racist i'm saying this to you personally mm-hmm. you are a racist and i'm going to tell you why first timothy 521 I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Mm. Deuteronomy 117, you shall show no partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. Or if I can put my own spin on that text, you shall hear the white and the black alike mm-hmm. reverend stancil mm-hmm. proverbs twenty eight twenty one. to show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread a man will transgress mm-hmm. and then finally leviticus nineteen fifteen, you shall do no injustice in judgment you shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Now, I cite these scripture verses to show that by his own words, when held up against the word of God, that Reverend Stancil is guilty of the sin of ethnic partiality and he should repent. Mm. But here's the thing, Omaha, for all the talk about quote-unquote social forces being the reason for so many abortions among black women, the truth is social forces have never gotten anyone pregnant. Right. You alluded to this earlier. Social forces never got anyone pregnant okay never the rationale of these men is a prime example of why we did the episode last week on a nuanced gospel Mm -hmm. here are two pastors both of whom hold the ecclesiastical title of reverend but whose ethnic prejudice toward white people is causing them to see even the murder of unborn children yeah through race colored glasses wow wow wow, as far as i'm concerned these men shouldn't even be in the pulpit yeah yeah, man, as, take, take the as, mic on my before as, I say something I regret. Right. As far as I'm concerned, these men these men aren't even demonstrating that they have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the one of the things one of the things that I find interesting is that in in our current culture, we often treat sex like air. We often treat sex like air. We've we've elevated sexual activity to to the position that it is a requirement, like breathing air, and we do this so that we can justify whatever deviant sexual proclivity or consequence from sexual activity that follows. Therefore, it's never the sexual activity that is to be avoided since, it's, since that's impossible, right? Since, yep. pre, since premarital sexual activity is immutable, meaning it's unchanging, fixed, mm-hmm. unyielding, and set, mm-hmm. we've decided that everything else in the culture must be moved in order to suit the God of my own sexuality. And we see this, we see this in every area of life from debates about gender fluidity, to homosexuality, uh, to, to pediastery or, or pediastery, uh, mm-hmm. to, to pedophilia. 
Uh, the mantra in these arguments are all the same. They, they, they can't help themselves. They were born this way. Or in this instance, they can't be charged with sin since they don't have the social economic structures in place to keep this from happening. Re- regardless of the argument, the message is clear. It's not their fault, especially if they're black. And it's the white man's fault with his power structures and money and other stuff. This is absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Wow. Ridiculous is the right way. I don't know how to, what other way to put it. This is ridiculous. This mm-hmm. article is absolutely, and the rationale being posited in this article is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Now, as we continue to work our way through this uh, New York Times article, and as I said at the very top, we're not going to go through this line by line. We will have the article linked in the episode notes when the episode is released. Right? But as we continue working our way through this article, I want to quote something else. Quote, 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 underlying the debate. The article continues, underlying the debate is the rich heritage of the black church at once a liberal center of civil rights activism and an institution that preaches religious conservatism. In discussions with African-American congregants, the abortion debate can often feel like wading through a series of contradictions. Mr. Stansel, for instance, opposes abortions, but is also against far-reaching restrictions that would eliminate all access to them. Most black voters support legal access to abortion, but are also split on whether abortion is morally acceptable. Wow. Unquote. Wow. Now, I have to take issue, as if I haven't been taking enough issue with this article already. (laughs) I have to take issue with the article's description of the black church as, quote, an institution that preaches religious conservatism. Mm. unquote now that might have been the reality at one time but not anymore that is not reality anymore at least not with regard to the black church as a whole now there may be today individual churches with predominantly black congregations and when i use the term black church that's that's primarily what i'm referring to local churches where the congregations are predominantly black okay Mm -hmm. Like I said, there may be individual churches with predominantly black congregations that can be described as preaching religious conservatism. Mm -hmm. But what I see today, for the most part, across the broader landscape of black ecclesiology, the black church is still a liberal institution that sees itself primarily as a center of civil and social activism. Yeah, yeah. Not as a center of gospel proclamation and evangelization in terms of calling people to repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Wow. I don't see that. Right. I see the black church as a liberal. They see themselves as as an entity, okay, across the broader landscape. Because somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to accuse me. They're going to come back and say, well, my church isn't like that. Right, 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 right. I'm talking about across the broader landscape of the black church as an entity. Mm -hmm. It really does see itself as a liberal institution whose sole purpose or primary purpose is to be a center of civil and social activism, not a place where the gospel is proclaimed so that unbelievers and believers alike are convicted of their sin, called to confession and repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. Now I say that in light of what is being preached in pulpits at predominantly black churches like Epiphany Fellowship Church in Philadelphia, where Dr. Eric Mason, author of the book Woke Church, Mm -hmm. is lead pastor. Now, interestingly, it was that same Eric Mason who wrote Woke Church Mm -hmm. who said in his book, Manhood Restored, How the Gospel Makes Men Whole. It's that same Eric Mason who said this, we need fathers 
And we're only going to be fathers to our children when we see that true fatherhood is rooted and defined in God the Father. Unquote. Mm. Mm. This goes back to what you said earlier, Omaha, when you sort of enumerated four or five things that Mr. Stansel seems to not be concerned with. Right. It's not mentioned anywhere in the article. Nothing. Nowhere. Where's the 72? Where's Stansel's concern about the 72% of black unwed mothers who are left alone by the fathers of these children? Right. This is why I quoted uh, uh, Mason from his book on uh, manhood restored. Mm-hmm. We need fathers. See, you would think that Stansel would have said something along these same lines. Mm-hmm. but he didn't. So my question is, where is this message in the black church today? Where is this message that we need fathers mm. and that we're only going to be fathers to our children when we see that true fatherhood is rooted in defining God the Father? Where is that message in the black church today? I don't see it. Mm. Now, I speak to our listeners here as someone who was reared in the black church. Right, right. There's, right. Nothing, no, there's nothing anyone can tell me about the black church, okay? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. But I don't see this message in the black church today. I see more calls for making reparations to black families right. than for repairing black families. Right, right. What you got on the hall now? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to leap off of what you said because I, and as you talked about making reparations rather than repairing black families, I'll say this repairing families requires responsibility. Repairing, Amen. Fa- Amen. repairing families requires responsibility. What, Amen. what what seems to be preferred by woke thought leaders today is is what I'm what I'm going to call repentance reparations, repentance reparations. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. what Beta O'Rourke tried to do this past week mm-hmm. when he found that his ancestors held slaves. I don't know if you oh. saw this in the, in the news. I, I, did, right? I did not see that. So hold on. Now, that's that makes two. Right. That means we know that Kamala Harris's relative family had. Slaves. Yep. 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 Now, now Beto, Beto as O'Rourke. well. Yeah, his 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 family. He threw his wife under the bus too. So his wife also, his wife's family also had slaves. And oh so, my God. you right. you know what this means? The <laughs> reparations ask. The reparations pool is getting a lot smaller, bro. Right. <laughs> It's right? getting a lot smaller. It's getting crazy. What Beto tried to do this past week when he found out that his ancestors held slaves, here was his response. His response was that someone else should pay money, in this instance, taxpayers, since he benefited from this sin. H- how did he do that? He, he, he wants people to pay reparations. Not He didn't mention him or his family or anything. He wants you and I and others, he wants others, whites in particular, to pay reparations because he his family sinned. And he benefited. He never mentioned any personal responsibility on his part. He never mentioned the fact that, you know, he was going to to give some money or some, you know, s- some reparations kind of thing. To So, so I, I call this repentance reparations. What far too many black church pastors are saying is that a woman gets pregnant and murders her baby. The root cause of that is that someone else sinned. And in, 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 in this uh-huh. instance, there, there are social causes, there, there are uh-huh. social, social aspects that, that caused this sin to happen. So someone else should pay the price, not you. Uh-huh. But, the, but the white guy down the street, he should, he's the one responsible because he didn't think about the social conditions that caused this woman to get pregnant and murder her child in the first place. Mm-hmm. Repentance, reparations. So again, as as wow. as as you said, there are no calls 
for fathers to step up and be responsible. Repairing the family requires responsibility on the part of fathers who have acted in morally reprehensible ways by abandoning the women that they choose to have sex with. And that's the bottom line. Wow. Man, I don't, wow. Omaha, listen, brother, and I'm not just saying this. I really appreciate the truth you're bringing to this episode, man, because it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. It needs to be said. Yep. Objective truth. See, objective truth. If 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 you're a Christian, if you're a a a uh, a a a uh, born, and I want to say that's redundant. What I'm trying to say this is, if your heart has truly been regenerated by the right. Holy Spirit, right? You're concerned about this. You're concerned about speaking truth to whoever it is. It's yeah, regardless of their the level of melanin in their skin, right. regardless of their yeah. ethnicity. That's exactly yep. what I'm getting at. Yep. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. I don't how I don't care how long Reverend Stansel has been pastor in that church. He yeah. is wrong. Not only is he wrong, he is sinning. Mm-hmm. But this article to suggest that the black church preaches religious conservatism? Oh, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Oh, no, no, no. Because if that were the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place. Mm-mm. Because this New York Times article would never have been written to no, begin with. No. And, and they, let, me, let me say this. They're preaching to the choir. They, 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 this pastor is not saying anything profound. The culture eats this up like drinking water. Yep. I mean, they, 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 they drink this down rather like drinking water. This is not – this nuance is not is – not, provoking the culture to do anything right i mean there was no mention of fathers there's no mention of hip-hop culture i mean we don't even want to start with that yeah, and, we don't and even the, want to go there and the objectifying of, of women is it, anyway let me let me stop before i go off well now go off further this, <laughs> this, this, this 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 listen this this is this is the just this is your your podcast this is my podcast go off bro. it just it it just this infuriates me it really does. You you know how involved, and I, I know you're involved with with uh, with with clinics and and doing work in the uh, in the advocacy of of, of life uh, in that arena. I know you're on boards and you've done some things with the pro life movement. You know, I spend time at an abortion clinic in front of the clinic, calling out to women specifically, and so this this one just infuriates me because it 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 appeals to the lowest base level of ignorance in people it encourages them to stay ignorant and then it educates them in ignorance i mean that should be an oxymoron it educates you how to stay ignorant of truth and that that boggles my mind it's upsetting uh it, it it should it should cause you to be righteously indignant this is the kind of thing that jesus was upset at the pharisees about mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, yeah. i mean when he when he laid out some of the most challenging uh things that he said uh, against the pharisees whitewashed tombs i mean he, tombs, he, yeah. he, all the kinds of things that he said he said toward men who who claimed to be righteous who wore uh clerical robes but but lived just debaucherously and taught in ways that were were uh, were polar opposite to what he intended about the scripture and this is exactly what's happening in this instance you're right. I think, you know, there's this perception of Jesus within the church, even within the church, that when Jesus was uh, administering his ministry here on earth for those three, three and a half years, that he just walked around tossing tulip petals all <laughs> right. over the place. Floating on a cloud. 
floating on a cloud, tossing right. up peace signs. Was every other word out of out of his mouth was love, love, mm-hmm. love, love, love. But you know what? When it called for it, Jesus called people hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Stancil, you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You're a hypocrite. This article says Mr. Stancil quote opposes abortions, but that's what see that that little word but is what makes him a hypocrite. Right. Opposes abortions, but it's also against far-reaching restrictions that will eliminate all access to them, quote-unquote. First of all, what is, quote, far-reaching, unquote, about wanting to keep the unborn of God's image bearers from being murdered in the womb? Mm. What's far-reaching about that? Right. What is the church going to get back to preaching to our young people that there are consequences for your actions? Wow, wow. There are consequences for your action and that when you make decisions like this, that you're going to lie with someone, have sexual intercourse. When you make decisions like that, you're going to reap what you sow. It says that it's clearly in Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. A man, woman, boy, girl, a, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Mm. The church has got to get this message through to our young people that when you make the choice to violate God's precepts and commands, there will always be consequences. And God expects you to face those consequences biblically and responsibly. Listen to Psalm chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 4, reading from, of course, the non-Arminian Standard Bible translation. <laughs> Psalm 15, 1 through 4, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Mm. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Now listen to this. He swears to his own hurt Mm. and does not change. Mm Mm-hmm. Psalm 15, that's the last part of verse 4. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. What that text is saying here is that God expects his people to be people of integrity, to respond rightly and righteously in any and every situation, regardless how difficult that situation appears to be, even in those adverse situations that we brought upon ourselves because of our willful disobedience. Mm Mm-hmm. In the case of the topic we've been discussing today, that means confessing and repenting of your sin, accepting God's merciful forgiveness, and moving forward with your pregnancy, trusting that God, okay, trusting that God will provide everything you need to make it through that situation. Mm -hmm. I want to read for you a, a text out of 1 Samuel chapter 12 as an example, just to give some context to what I just said. 1 Samuel 12 verses 19 and 20. This is just to augment the point I'm making here, that God's people are expected to respond with integrity and righteousness in every situation. I don't care how adverse that situation is. Mm -hmm. And you trust God 
to walk with you, having forgiven you of that sin, that God will walk with you through that situation and provide everything you need to make it through that. Listen to 1 Samuel 12, verses 19 and 20. This is where Israel is repenting of their demands for a king. 1 Samuel 12, verses 19 and 20. Then all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God so that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Verse 20, Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And let me go on to read verse 21. Mm-hmm. You must not turn aside for then you would go after futile things which can profit, which cannot profit or deliver because they are futile. Mm-hmm. But verse 20 is where I want to, where I want to really uh, park for a minute. And I want to, especially my heart goes out. If you're listening to this and you've had an abortion, mm-hmm. Okay, you've had an abortion, perhaps for some of the reasons we've been talking about, perhaps for uh, economic or uh, reasons or what a Reverend Stansel define, uh, uh, describes as social forces. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've had an abortion for that reason. But I want to read again verse 20 for you. If you are a believer in Christ, this is for you. Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. Mm-hmm. But serve the Lord with all your that's first Samuel 12 verse 20. I also want to read Philippians chapter four, verse six. And then from that same chapter, verse 19, verse six, be anxious for nothing. Again, this is especially to you. If you've had an abortion or if you're considering having an abortion by God's providence, you're listening to this episode right now. Hear me, hear my voice, but hear God speaking to you. Mm. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians four, six, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 19 of Philippians 4, and my God will supply mm-hmm. all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So if you're listening to this, you've had an abortion, you're contemplating an abortion. Mm-hmm. Understand that God will supply mm-hmm. all your needs. He will, he will supply your needs by virtue of your having submitted to his will and carrying that pregnancy through giving birth to that child, perhaps you may not be able to provide for it in and of yourself, but Mm -hmm. God will provide your needs supernaturally through his riches, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Anything you want to add there, Omar? Man, first of all, that, that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That is exactly, exactly, exactly the message that we who advocate for life, that's exactly the kind of admonition, encouragement that we should be giving, that we serve a God that supplies needs, that we serve a God who, who, who's enabled us to reach out from a, from a vantage point of care, compassion, concern, uh, to help that person deal with the situation they're in and walk it out. Not, not squinting our eye at the sinfulness of what took place, mm-hmm. but, but recognizing that the baby involved is not sin. Mm-hmm. Right? right. The act that took place was the child mm-hmm. is not. And right. as a result of the the fact that that child is an, is an image bearer of God is deserving of value, dignity and worth that we provide any human being created in the image of God. And so that's yeah. that's here, here's the distinction between the God that you've just presented through Scripture 
the powerful God who meets all of our needs, who, who, who takes care of our needs, who, who, to whom we can, we can make supplication with thanksgiving and make our requests known, and the God of people like, like Reverend Stancil. Mm-hmm. And, and and the women who who listen to the ignorance he's trying to trying to pro, to proffer to others, the the the, the God of Stancil it, it, and, the, and the women who follow his lead, they've decided that that the God they serve is far too weak to see them through a situation like the one they're walking. Wow. Through. Wow. They've wow. they've been they've been preached to by men and even sometimes by women who, who proffer an impotent emotionally driven deity who recognizes his inability to care for their needs. And therefore he understands that if they likewise need to end their baby's life, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the demented unbiblical God of men like Stancil. That's what Mm -hmm. he's preaching. And those who listen to that God who listen to his preaching are following an impotent God driven by emotion. Uh, and, and has no power and is unable to save or offer any any help. What you just gave, by contrast, is the sovereign God of the universe who spoke life into existence. He spoke stars into existence. He spoke the earth into existence. He is well able to ensure that the needs of one of his own who's repented, placed their faith in him, mm-hmm. who sins and 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 finds themselves in this situation is cared for. Uh, as they deal with and address the nature of sin by repenting and walking out what God has intended for their lives. Amen, bro. Man, there's just so many moments in this episode where I just, I'm just rendered speechless. Because mm-hmm. when you look at, you look at the majesty of God and mm-hmm. his attributes, not the least of which is his sovereignty. Number Amen. one. Amen. You know, you think about it, the God of Reverend Stancil, and I think you put it very well. An impotent God, that's an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. A God who's impotent is not God. God, absolutely. You know, now having said that, I do want to get back on track here one second, just to remind everyone, including Mr. Stansel. That's a biological fact, okay, that if and when you have sexual intercourse, there is a possibility that you could become pregnant if you're the woman. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, we've, I know we have people out there today, who hopefully not listening to this broadcast, who believe a man can get pregnant. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to, unfortunately, you got to say that nowadays. Unfortunately, I have to qualify that now. Right. But if you're a woman and you have sexual intercourse unprotected, there's a possibility that you could become pregnant. Okay. That is a universal truth, regardless of what social forces might exist. The biological formula for conceiving a child is no different for poor women than for wealthy women. Mm. It is no different for black women than it is for white women, Hispanic women, Asian women, or any other ethnic group of women. And that principle applies across the board. Mm -hmm. So for Mr. Stancil to try to argue that these social forces, right. I I wonder, can Dwayne give us some sort of uh, like, sound effect or something like that if this is as if these social forces just appear right. out of the air you're right out of the ether they only yeah. hover over black zip codes right, right. ex nihilo mm-hmm. ex- you're right, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait and see what you can do about that, bro. Uh, the social forces, man. Right. Those, those are some powerful social forces, man. Those are, those are those are only not they're not only social forces. Those are some targeted social forces. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they ethnic are. social forces that yeah. only seem to have effect on black women and right. causing them to to have abortions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is unbelievable. Anything you want to add to what I just said, Omaha? I don't know that there's anything else to say. These women are not as stupid and slow as ignorant uh, as Stancil would would like to would like to proclaim them to be. In fact, I, I run into them at the abortion clinic regularly, regularly, and not one of them has acted as if they were unaware of what they're doing. In fact, they often brag about what they're doing. Uh, many times, they they after after we've. You wouldn't you would believe it, Daryl, after offering them everything that Stancil claims forced these women to have an abortion. These women proudly enter an abortion clinic content to sacrifice their child on the altar of convenience as they serve the God of self. That's that's it. Fundamentally, that's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. There's nothing I can add to that. Let me go back to the article real quick. Quoting again from the article, quote. About half the women who received abortions at the clinic last year, again, this is the clinic, Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. About half the women who received abortions at the clinic last year were black. The clinic also provides other health care services, and supporters worry that patients from marginalized communities will face the biggest consequences if abortion access in the state is eliminated, including turning to risky illegal means to terminate pregnancies. Black women already have enough challenges, said Kawana Shannon, who is black and the director of surgical services at the clinic. And now I have to still deal with the state and the governor now passing laws and telling me what I can and can't do with my own body, she said. It's just burdensome, unquote. So Miss Shannon describes these black women as, quote, patients from marginalized communities, unquote. But what I want to know is this. How are these women, Miss Shannon, being marginalized from having sexual intercourse to begin with? Right. How are they being marginalized in that way? Why is it that these women are viewed as marginalized only after they've become pregnant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, again, this raises the question I asked earlier in this conversation. If you're too poor to have the baby, why aren't you also too poor to have the sexual intercourse that caused the baby? Right, right. Thoughts on my Right. This, I, I, I'm looking at the patients from marginalized communities. I mean, h- how did being mo- from a marginalized community become code for possessing moral bankruptcy? Bruh, cue up the mascot, please. Somebody explain that to me. How did how did those two things become synonymous? <laughs> Man, nuance, I, bruh. Nuance. I, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. How, I mean, that's the only way you can explain how marginalized community becomes code for moral bankruptcy, because that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Yep. W- what's worse is that there's no ability to correct, instruct, rebuke, or repu- re- reprove. Since the lack of moral dignity is not even the fault of the person committing the act of sin, of course we nope. can't even call we can't even call it sin. Can't right? call it that anymore. No. Right, right. Uh, but but it's but it's an act of of some nebulous community with a myriad of issues that no one has a solution for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you this this is worse than silly putty. You you can't you can't 
you can't grab it. You can't reach it. You can't find it. And that's the intent of nuance. Mm-hmm. That's the intent of nuance, right? The intent of nuance, to use your silly putty analogy, which I thought was brilliant, the intent of nuance is so that nothing sticks to the wall. Right. Nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. That's the intrinsic objective of nuance, mm-hmm. so that nothing sticks, meaning you never get to an objective definition of truth. Right. Never. Because right. if you ever get to an, an, an objective definition of truth, then you're accountable. Right, 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 right. Then you're accountable. Mm-hmm. So going back to the article once more, the article writes, or states rather, religious teachings may have convinced some African-Americans that life begins in the womb. But having seen firsthand how their communities, here, here's that nuance coming in again. Right, right. But having seen firsthand how their communities have been hurt by high incarceration rates, economic disinvestment, and a lack of educational opportunities, some have a hard time embracing what they see as a one-size-fits-all abortion ban. Dr. Bobo, the article states, Dr. Bobo, a minister from Kansas City, said he counseled women not to have abortions, but, how many times have we read that word but in this this conversation, uh, Omaha? Yeah. Dr. Bobo says he counseled women not to have abortions, but at the end of the day, quote, it's her choice. Mm-hmm. I cannot manipulate her into agreeing. I cannot guilt her, he said. Mr. Stansel of the Wayman AME Church said his view that abortion amounted to ending a life was compatible with his belief in a woman's choice because God was the ultimate judge. Wow. He's also in that Omaha. That's in first of all, that's insane. Like I don't even understand what that statement wow. means. That wow. that the ending of a life was compatible with his belief of a woman's choice because God was the ultimate. That that that, that doesn't even comport with reality. I, I don't do even you, know. Do, do you realize how many straw men I can build out of that? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. The, the, in, listen, the rapist can use that same logic. That's good. That's good. How about how about what do you what do you have to say, Mr. Stansel, about the, the rapist or the child abuser or the uh, spouse abuser or the child molester mm-hmm. or the sexual abuser? Well, you know, uh, I, I you know that's just their choice. You know, God's the ultimate judge. Right. Right. I mean, come on, man. Right. Right. I, I mean, th- there's so much there. I've I've never talked wow. with anyone because you're talking about high incarceration rates, right? I've never I've I have not I've yet to talk to anyone that's been incarcerated for being black. Right. I, ha- I haven't talked to that person. Yeah. Now, may- maybe at one time in, in our and you, country. And you're, and you're someone who does jail ministry. I do jail ministry regularly. I talk to those brothers every single month. None of them have said that they're in there for the, for the fact that they're black. Not a one of them. Uh, however, I've got in the days of 72% single motherhood in the black communities, I've yet to known anyone who was a victim of being imprisoned for being black. So these women who are being impregnated are not being impregnated for the mere case that, that men are are, are, are in jail. I mean, th- these things don't comport to reality. I mean, right, that's, the, right. that's, 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 that's the point I'm making. Right. One does, one does not even equal the other. I mean, what are we talking about here? Incarceration rates and these, that doesn't right. even, those two things don't even jive economic right. di- divestment. The color right. of money is green. It cares nothing about black or white. Mm-hmm. There are cultural issues in our communities that are causing people to divest from those communities. 
And, and none of those things are things that we're dealing with. We're not dealing with fatherlessness. We're not dealing with high crime. We're not dealing with, with issues of, of depression, issues of poverty. We're not dealing with any of those issues. Mm-hmm. We're looking at something that has no relationship whatsoever right. to, 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 to the morality or lack thereof that's happening, that's causing the problem in the first place. It's unbelievable, man. I mean, I'm serious. The, the more you walk through this article, just the more you want to just pull your hair out. Yeah, it, it just gets more foolish. You know, it's like you just said, what in the world do incarceration rates, economic divestment and lack of educational hosp- uh, opportunities have to do with murdering an unborn child? They have nothing at all to do with it. See, what, what Mr. Stansel here is preaching is pure, unadulterated, woke theology. It's, 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 this is this is the purest. This is like ivory soap. This is purer than ivory soap. <laughs> this is purer than ninety nine and forty four one hundred percent pure. That's what ivory soap is. But this is right. this 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 woke theology here is purer than that. Yeah. yeah. Stansel is so culturally aware. He's so woke that the theology he is preaching is neck deep in nuance. Stansel is ostensibly tossing aside the truth of the word of God. That every human being he is who is conceived, okay, every human being who is conceived, not just born, but conceived, bears the image of God, and for that reason alone, deserves to not have its life snuffed out at an abortion clinic. Mm. I want to say to Reverend Stansel, there are no asterisks in the Word of God. That's good. There are no asterisks there. Yes, ultimately. Like each and every one of us, when we're faced with the choice of obeying God or not in a given situation or circumstance, that choice ultimately is up to us. But to proffer the notion that social injustice, as you define it, Reverend Stansel, that social injustice is a valid reason for ending a life that has been recreated by virtue of your own willful choice is both ridiculous and inexcusable. In the providence of God, God has so ordered this world that you and I will reap consequences for our actions. And God expects that we will act responsibly when we encounter those consequences. And let Mm. me give you an illustration. Let me give you an illustration. If you willfully refuse, okay, Omaha, Mm -hmm. if if you willfully refuse to make the monthly payments on the house on which you willingly took out a mortgage. Mm hmm. No one held a gun to your head. You willingly right. took out a mortgage on your home. Right. If you willfully refuse to make the monthly payments, or in some cases, some people may have taken out two mortgages. Mm-hmm. But if you willfully refuse to make the monthly payments, you should expect that your home will be foreclosed and you and your family evicted from that residence. Right, right, right. Now, you understand that when you read through the mortgage disclosure documents. Mm-hmm. They tell you that I, I I worked in banking and finance for years. Wow. So I know what these disclosures say. They tell you what is going to happen if and when you don't make the payments. Mm-hmm. Now, that same principle applies with regard to what we've been discussing with this New York Times article. Social forces have nothing to do with your volitional decision to have sexual intercourse and take on the risk of getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And when and if you do get pregnant, it is not that unborn child who should pay the price for your sinful choices. Right, right. What you got on how to add? There? I, I man, I, one, I, I'm so glad that we're doing this, and and I know that to the listener they may think, wow, they they're beating up this guy in this article, but 
these these are the primary arguments that are in the culture period okay regardless of of race these are the primary issues that are in the culture and they are amplified by the fact that we 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 now live in in this world of intersectionality mm-hmm. with where with a person the more the more victimhood points that a person has the more their voice is supposed to be credible so we're we're at the top of the food chain with regard to blacks and black females i mean the only thing they could they could add on to this is if they added an lgbtq something right. or another mm-hmm. in here right. right great great point so Right. So you're at the top of the food chain of of the of the intersectionality, you know, kind of kind of play play sheet. And you're listening to their arguments. And so as we're addressing them, it gives you an opportunity to hear how silly these actually are. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when you're by yourself, you're alone, you're not thinking through this, you know, something's wrong. You're not sure exactly how or why. But through this podcast, now you're able to listen to us engage and interact with some of the argumentation and to realize and recognize it, the falsehoods that are kind of being being proffered. This argument, this particular argument that you that you talked about here, is is an argument that can even be stretched further to cover the ground that's laid uh, out by the debate on the issue of rape. Right? Mm-hmm. If if mm-hmm. we believe Indeed. this is a if we believe this is a human being created in the image of God, how in the world does the murder of this unique individual adjudicate the wicked evil inflicted on the woman by the father? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't. Right. You're right. It doesn't. It, it only adds to the woman's charge and conscience the blood guilt of the murder of the child. Mm-hmm. That's what happens in an instance of rape. We've been mm-hmm. o- okay with making these caveats for for the issue of rape, not recognizing that if we truly believe this is a human being creating the image of God, the, the murder of that child in the womb does not fix that rape. It doesn't even erase the rape from the mind of the woman who was raped. Nope. It doesn't erase that. It does mm-hmm. not erase that memory. That memory nope. is still in place. Mm-hmm. She only adds to that memory the fact that she murdered a human being in the image of God. And so the mm-hmm. best thing that she could do would be to have the child and if and if unable to care for it, to give it up for adoption. Amen. That's the best thing that can happen in that instance. Well said, Omaha. And again, you know, I just want to let our listeners know you, Omaha, even more than myself, have been on the front lines of pro-life ministry, abortion clinic ministry for years. Mm. So it's not just this New York Times article right. that has brought out these concerns that you have. Okay. Right. You have street cred on this issue and I appreciate you, brother. Mm. Um, let me just say this, you know, it's long past time, long past time for the church and black churches in particular, uh, churches like the ones pastored by men like Reverend Clint Stansel and Reverend Michael Jones, among others, I'm sure. It's just long past time for those churches to stop using social injustice as an excuse for not preaching the whole counsel of God. Wow. These young black men and and women need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the whole gospel, Mm -hmm. which includes that sexual intercourse outside of marriage is a sin. They need to hear that murdering an unborn child is a sin, regardless of what social forces may exist. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a time when black churches preached these things to their congregations. They preached unashamedly and with authority what God regarded as sin. Black churches used to be known for this. Right, right. You and I grew up in churches like this, notwithstanding the other, um, uh, you know, 
extra biblical orthopraxy that was going on <laughs> right, within, right. Within, the, within those denominations. Right, right, right. But that was one thing the black churches were known for. You walk through the doors of a black church, you're going to hear the gospel preached straight, no mm -hmm. chaser. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is one reason why abortion rates and divorce rates in black communities were so low prior to the 1960s. Right. Before the decimating effects of the welfare state, which is mirage of a better life became a reality. Mm -hmm. Prior to the welfare state in the sixties, abortion rates, divorce rates mm -hmm. in black communities were very, very low. Yes. Yes. Single digit low. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But listen to what the, the article says here. The Reverend Michael Jones, the pastor at Friendly Temple Missionary Baptist Church of St. Louis said that he believed in preserving life, but I think that's but number eight on wow. if I'm keeping count. Wow. He believes in preserving life, but that he did not, quote, have the power to take away that choice, unquote, a woman makes on an abortion. Mm. The article continues, regardless of what happens with the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis, Mr. Jones said his focus was on the church's efforts to help and empower black lives. Wow. This is a reverend. Wow. A so-called reverend of a so-called Christian church said his focus is on the church's efforts to help and empower black lives. Well, there you have it, Omaha. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. you have it. Yeah. That's how Black Lives Matter is invoked in the in the abortion debate. That's wow. how wow. that's how Black Lives Matter is invoked in the abortion debate by redefining the mission of the church from wow. proclaiming the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ to quote helping and empowering black lives. Wow. See, wow. That's woke church right there, bro. Wow. That's woke yeah. Church. Yeah. I, I, I want, I don't want our listeners to miss what you just did in this entire lineup with regard to this article. And, and that is we, we dealt with an issue that was clouded, murky, nuanced in black churches to begin with. And then it ends by the complete abandonment of the purpose of the church mm -hmm. And 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 the follow on of well since we're since since we've not preached about sin since we've we've abdicated this since we've nuanced this and nuanced that and nuanced the other they recognize they they lost Romans one sixteen a long time ago oh yeah right mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that it is that that we're unashamed of the gospel because it the gospel is the power of God unto salvation they've they've nuanced so far away from that they can't even it's so cloudy. They can't even see back to that point. So mm -hmm. they've abandoned that. Mm -hmm. And in and in its place, they've picked up this mantle of helping and empowering black lives. And that's how Black Lives Matter gets invoked into the abortion debate. That it's it's powerful mm -hmm. how that all unfolded. It, this it's apparent that Friendly Baptist Missionary Church, Friendly Temple rather, Missionary Baptist has decided not to be a church and in exchange has decided to become a social organization right they, they, they they've abandoned right the very power to change lives which is the gospel for that which actually holds men captive which is the government so they've exchanged the gospel for the government i mean that's exactly what they did and it's yep. absolutely unbelievable yeah they've, they've exchanged g-o-d for g-o-v right right 
But see, this is exactly what I said earlier, Omaha. But this is exactly what I said a few minutes earlier, where I said I disagree with that article. The article described the black church as an institution that preached a conservative, uh, um, conservative religion. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 no. This is this is listen. What Reverend Jones said in his own words proves mm-hmm. my point. Right. Right. Across the broader landscape of black ecclesiology, the black churches still see themselves as centers of civil rights and social activism. Right. This is right. what Jones is, is basically assert. He he's attesting to this by saying in his own words, his focus isn't preaching the gospel that saves people from going to hell. Right. No, my focus is on helping and empowering black lives. That's his focus without any power. He has no power i mean all the power that he has is going to be that which he can he can get from government whatever that looks like i mean it's it's absolutely see and there and there's another there's another contradiction that's another uh there's another oxymoronic uh mindset Mm. when you're listen when you're dependent on the government that that you're not empowered you're a beggar right 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 that makes you a beggar right you are a beggar. You're not empowered. You're a beggar. Right. And and, and, you're the, Oliver, and you're listen, you're Oliver Twist, bro. You're Oliver Twist. <laughs> you're 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 Oliver Twist with your empty plate going back to the uh schoolmaster saying, uh, please, sir, may I have some more? That's right. who you are. Right, right. What you got, Omaha? I'm sorry. I, I, I no, I was just, I was just thinking about what how does how does this fix the issue of sin? At the at the uh, end of the day, how how does any of how does empowering black lives and that's what he's helping wow. empower black how does that fix the issue of sin that we've been discussing this whole time? I mean, I I, I was in a I was in a, a Sunday school class this morning, walking a group of uh, of, of our of our seasoned saints. I call them they they're in the sixties and seventies. I call them the seasoned saints. And uh, man, we were walking through Second Samuel eleven, right? David, the story of David and Bathsheba. And uh, we looked at the sin of David with Bathsheba and then, you know, the fact that he, you know, he, he committed adultery and then would, would eventually commit murder. I mean, you could look at the murder as the government solution. Right. Here he had right, sinned. <laughs> Here he had sinned with with Bathsheba. And his, his thought was, you know what, I'm going to get a government solution. Let me let me send Uriah back out to the to the forces and have him fight a battle. And let everybody walk away from him, and 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 then he dies, mm-hmm. and and that that was the government solution, mm-hmm. right? All it did was enslave David all the more, yep, all the more. And it wasn't until he sees his sin in full in Psalm fifty-one and repents, yep, that you actually see a savior. Government is never a solution. Mm-hmm. Preach, I mean, bro. government is a poor. Preach. Savior, the, the, the whole point of the story of David was to show that the, that even this even this king who was who seemed to be a man after God's own heart was an insufficient savior. He himself found himself in sin and needed a savior. For come us on, to come for, on with the hammer, people. Come, come on, on with man. The hammer, for us to think that we can we can abandon the gospel and turn to government to be a, an empower that which empowers black folk or anybody is absolute foolishness. Absolute foolishness on his face. No, no other way to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's like I've said before, saviors aren't elected. 
That's so good. We will have to go back to that over and over again. That is so good. Saviors are not elected. So if you're dependent on the government, you're dependent on your politicians. If you're you're pretend, uh, depending rather on a particular political party mm-hmm. to rescue you from whatever you see are the ills or quote unquote social forces coming against you in this life. Right. right. You're going to be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. The, see, there is no vacancy for the office of slave savior. Wow. That job's already taken. Wow. <laughs> that job was filled 2000 years ago. Come on. Okay. On a cross. Come on. By the son of God. Mm. Who willingly came into this world in human flesh, just like you and I possess. And here's the thing, Omaha, on the, on the whole salvation tip, I think our listeners need to be reminded here of something. In Matthew 121, the reason Jesus is named Jesus is mm-hmm. not because he's going to save us from social forces. Right. <laughs> right, right. Listen, if you don't believe me, listeners, go back to Matthew 121 yourself and read it. Open the scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not our savior because he's going to save us from social Social forces. forces, Right. His name is Jesus because he's going to save us from our sin. Sin. Amen. That's what the scripture says. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15. Dude, that is so good. It's a trustworthy statement. Worthy Jesus of full acceptance. Jesus doesn't save from social forces. Jesus saves from sin. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. <laughs> First Timothy That's a good 1 Timothy 1.15. Yeah. Let me turn these pages. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15. Mm-hmm. Reading it again from the non-Arminian Standard Bible. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance mm-hmm. that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us from social forces. No, it doesn't. No, that's not what it says. I don't care what translation you're reading. It doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Mm-hmm. This is why I said many, many times, Omaha, Christ didn't come to save society. He came to save sinners. Yeah. Christ didn't come to save us from social forces. Mm-hmm. So the question we have to ask is this. You know, when, when all is said and done, the question for us is, what is the church teaching? What is the church teaching? What in the world are we proclaiming from our pulpits? The, and I've said this before. When the gospel becomes a movement rather than a message, mm-hmm. it's over. Yeah. This is what Stancil and Jones uh, are. They're, 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 uh, they're reverends, they're leaders of movements. They, they think the gospel is a movement. But when your gospel morphs from a message to a movement, you're in trouble. The gospel is a message of salvation from sin, not of human empowerment, Reverend Jones. Yeah, I just want to wrap up this. At least what Omaha, you, you can close this out, but I've got I want to wrap up with this quote here. It's a quote from Thomas C. Oden, O-D-E-N, Thomas C. Oden, author of the book How Africa Shaped the Christian Mind. I thought this was uh, very well said. Odin says, quote, Orthodox Christianity has always had better things to do than simply echo the gifts that the despairing world wants to give to the church. This to your point, Omaha, about depending on the government. 
Otis says Orthodox Christianity has always had better things to do than simply echo the gifts that the despairing world wants to give to the church or to borrow hungrily from the world's constantly changing aspirations, unquote. One, one other way to say that, especially to Otis' point about the world's constantly changing aspirations, is nuance. Mm-hmm. The world's constantly nuancing of their worldview, of their ideologies, their philosophies, and now even the gospel with the tacit cooperation of people like Stancil and Jones. Now, we expect Miss, uh, what is her name? Kawana, whatever. We expect her. Let me get her name here right because I don't want her suing me. Miss <laughs> Kawana Shannon. Right. We expect her because she's not identified in this article as either a Christian or belonging to either one of these churches that either of these men pastor respectfully. Mm-hmm. So I expect her to have the worldview that she does. Mm-hmm. But for someone who professes to be a reverend and pastors a so-called Christian church, to 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 just make yourself open to worldly philosophy and ideologies that make you absolutely force you to abdicate Mm -hmm. the orthodox gospel that is taught in the word of God. This is just inexcusable. This is inexcusable. So again, we must, as Christians, ask ourselves, what is the church teaching today? We must examine ourselves as a church. God's word doesn't change based on your circumstances. That's good. You will reap the consequences that you sow. And God expects you to deal with those consequences. Not by murdering them. Right. Poses out, Omaha. I I don't know that there's anything else to add. I, I, I love where you landed, where we went. We've been on an incredible journey through this article through some of the some of the i think some of the some of the strong arguments or strong guest arguments from the other side and so it gives our our listeners an opportunity to pull this off the shelf listen to it one of the things that i love about our listeners is they they don't they've been telling us at least in feedback they don't just listen to this once they go back over and over and over Indeed, we get that we get that feedback constantly yeah. and we appreciate that we really do and so uh with with the energy and effort that, that gets placed into these episodes i'm ecstatic that that people are finding this edifying that they're finding it to be a resource i mean you've even seen feedback that said hey i'm using what you shared in that particular episode uh, to, to walk some of my, you know, my, my kids through some homeschool issues around this issue. And it's just really, really exciting to hear. So I just want to thank our listeners for taking this journey with us, for, for, uh, for hanging with us this long. Uh, we enjoy it. We're thankful. We're grateful. And then tune in next time for the next edition of the Just Thinking Podcast.